Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge Community Church's online service. I am Pastor John, the senior pastor of Stonebridge Community Church. And we are glad and grateful that you are connecting with us through our online service. Whether it's through the YouTube channel or whether it's through the podcast, it is good to be connected to worship together. I want to extend an invitation to those of you who are ready to come and join us at our in-person worship services. For those concerned about the pandemic and rightfully concerned about the pandemic, we have a 5.30 outdoor service where you can socially distance and you can know that you will be safe from COVID-19 outdoors at that worship service. For those who are comfortable going indoors, on Sunday mornings at 10.30, we have an indoor worship service where masks are required regardless of vaccination status throughout the whole service. Come and join us in person. Church is meant to be done in person with actual connection with human beings. Christian faith is an embodied faith. God took on a human body in the person of Jesus so that we could all be connected through Jesus. So if you are ready, come and join us in person. The way our online service works is that there will be some announcements, and then you'll hear the word of God read, you'll hear the word of God preached, and then we have two worship songs to guide you through worship. It is good to be connected through the scriptures. So may this worship service be a blessing for you, and may you know that you are part of the body of Christ. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Stonebridge. For the next several weeks of the Moses Legacy Sermon Series, Pastor John is taking a deeper dive into the sermon by discussing topics and questions that didn't make his final cut. Stonebridge Extras is designed to help deepen your personal understanding of the Bible and enrich your growth group's discussion. Starting Saturday nights at 5.30, Stonebridge Extras can be found every weekend within the Stonebridge Church podcast. The first weekend in October celebrates our unity in Christ with believers around the world and is known as World Communion Sunday. As part of World Communion Sunday, we take the Peace and Global Witness Offering as we work to share the peace of Christ beyond our doors, into our community, and around the world. 25% of the offering supports peacemaking within our own community. 25% of the offering will support peacemaking work in our region, and 50% of this offering supports peace and reconciliation work being done by our denomination around the globe. To give to this offering, please make a special note designating Global Peace on your check, envelope, or when you give online. Thank you so much. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. And once again, welcome to worship. As we continue our sermon series entitled The Moses Legacy, looking at the book of Exodus, we come now to a scene right after the crossing of the Red Sea, where Moses and the Israelites, they are in their journey in the desert, and they're running out of food. I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 8 this week. And as I read the scripture, I invite you to hear the word of God. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elim, 
And Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. And that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, speak to us through your scripture. In the same way that the bread that you rained down from heaven nourished your people Israel, nourish us through your word now. Speak to us through these scriptures so that we can be a blessing to those around us. Speak to us so that we can accept the call you've given us to bless our neighbors, to bless strangers, to bless our enemies, Lord. Speak to us, nourish us, sustain us through the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can be your people living generous lives. We thank you, we praise you, it's in your name we pray. Amen. A few years ago, the comedian Tig Notaro, she did this comedy set. I think it was just a one-time event, actually. But what she did for her comedy set was really just a series of complaints and reflecting on those complaints. Now, when I say complaints, I'm not trying to minimize the trials and sufferings that she was enduring. The complaints she had were legitimate, and oftentimes complaints are legitimate. In Tignataro's life, she had been diagnosed with cancer. Shortly after that, as part of her treatment, she contracted C. diff, a condition that required for her to be hospitalized. And then, in the middle of all this, her mother passed away suddenly. And then, on top of it all, her romantic relationship ended when her partner left her. These were legitimate complaints. But in this comedy set, she hit this point where she said, sarcastically, one of the things that gives me comfort is knowing that God will not give us any more than we can handle. She said this verse sarcastically, cynically even. Now, Tignataro is not a believer, so I understand the point she was trying to make there. I disagree with Tignataro about God's existence, about the character of God, about the God revealed in Scripture and the power of the Bible, but I think what she touched on was a real feeling that a lot of us can have. 
we can complain against God and start wondering, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing in the midst of all this? And even more than what Tignataro was talking about, we can get trapped in our complaints to where all we can think about is the things that are going wrong in our lives. And we become defined by our complaints. And frustration with God develops, frustration with life develops, frustration with the people around us develops. And in those moments, I think we become more and more selfish. And our relationship with God becomes more and more estranged. I think that's something that Tignataro was highlighting there. That many of us, when we're facing trials, we begin to have a cynicism towards God, not trusting God's intention, not trusting God's words, not trusting the promises in Scripture. Now, that verse that Tignataro quoted is one that actually gives me comfort. But in the face of complaints, in the face of legitimate complaints, how do we not spill over into selfishness and cynicism? Our story in the scripture passage today, it is one of complaints. And it's one of a legitimate complaint, actually. Now, on the one hand, you could look at this complaint from Israel and say, this is actually kind of ridiculous here. Because in the narrative of the Bible, what is happening here with this story is, this is just a couple months, maybe a few weeks, after the crossing at the Red Sea. Not a lot of time has passed from when Israel watched as God parted the seas and parted the waters and built these walls of water so Israel could pass through the Red Sea to safety on the other side. It was not that long ago that Israel was celebrating on the other shore of the Red Sea what God had just done and what they had witnessed. It was also not that long ago that Israel witnessed the 12 plagues in Egypt. When God went to great lengths to challenge Pharaoh to set them free from slavery. Israel has seen God's power, has seen God's work. But now, relatively shortly thereafter, Israel is complaining. Now, originally they complained to Moses, but Moses makes clear your complaint isn't against me, it's against God. It's Moses really helping them to understand that it's God that they're frustrated with. It's not Moses. So on, on that level, it is a little ridiculous that Israel is complaining because they know what God can do. But at another level, we have to acknowledge Israel is complaining because they don't have food. <laughs> it's not like they're complaining about the food not tasting good. Or it's not like they're complaining about something minor here. Food is a necessity for life. We have to have food in order to live. This is a legitimate complaint. It's a legitimate concern. It's a legitimate grievance that they are lifting up to God here. And Israel's at a turning point. They start to say, we wish we were back in Egypt. Because at least there we had food. They're starting to say we wish we were slaves again. That we could go back and just be slaves because at least we had food then. You can see their faith in God's plan faltering. But more than anything, I think in this moment, Israel is forgetting who they actually are 
and who God has called them to be and who God actually is. Israel is forgetting who they actually are. They are God's covenant people. In this moment where they're starting to want to take on the identity of slave again, that is not who God has called them to be as a nation. Israel is God's covenant people. And all those years ago, with Abraham, their descendant, back in the book of Genesis, they received a promise that they have inherited through their ancestors. God told Abraham that Abraham's descendants would be a mighty nation, but more than that, they would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Just like the stars in the sky, they would be numerous, but also like the stars in the sky, they would be people of quality. The way they interacted with one another would be a blessing to the world. That's who Israel is, and who they are called to be is a blessing to the world. That's part of that promise. Israel is meant to be a blessing. They are meant to be a generous people. Over and over again in the Old Testament, God commands Israel to be kind to the stranger, to welcome immigrants into their midst, to be a witness to the nations around them of the God that they worship. That is who Israel is called to be. But in this moment where they are complaining about not having food, they are forgetting that. And they're forgetting who God is. God has provided for them. God has cared for them. God did not forget them. And right now in this moment, God is not going to be the one to give up on the calling that they have. God's not going to be the one who walks away from the promise that was made to them through Abraham. Israel's forgetting so much in their complaint. They're getting caught up in their complaint. And like so many of us, they're becoming a bit selfish in their complaint, forgetting all that God has called them to be. Now, while Israel's complaint is important here, what's more important and what's more interesting is God's response. Now, God responds to complaints in the Bible in different ways. It's not always the same exact response that God has. But in this moment, God responds with, deep graciousness. God responds by raining bread down from heaven so that they have all that they need. Notice something here, though. There are other parts of the Bible where we're talking about abundance, where we're talking about overflowing. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, which is a story that harkens back to God's provision of Israel here, we know that there's abundance. But here, God doesn't give abundance for each day. God gives them what they need every single day. Five days of the week, they get one day's supply of bread that rains down. And then one other day on the sixth day, they get two days supply so they don't have to work on the Sabbath and they can continue to honor the Sabbath. God's response here is one of provision. It gives Israel what they need, but It's not what they need to be comfortable. It's not what they need to live a lavish life. God gives them what they need so that they can fulfill the blessing that God has given them. So they can fulfill the calling to be a blessing that God has 
given them. God gives them what they need for that purpose. And that's one of the things I think we forget in those moments where things are overwhelming us, where our complaints are beginning to mount up. Some of those complaints, they're not going to be answered in the way we want them to be answered. But what God is going to do is give us enough so that we can be a blessing to those around us. What God is going to do is give us enough so that we can be the generous people God calls us to be. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live our lives in a certain way. We're called to live our lives in a way that reflects God's provision, God's generosity, and God's care. And God will give us enough so that we can fulfill that call. That's what God will do for each and every one of us. Again, God doesn't provide just so that we can have what we want, nor does God provide so that we can live lavish, extravagant lives. God will give us enough so that we can fulfill the calling to be a blessing to the community around us, to be a blessing to the city around us. Just like God did for Israel all those years ago in the desert. Now, there's something about generosity that I think is contagious. And when we're thinking this question of how do we not fall into selfishness and cynicism in the midst of complaints, I think we have to recognize that generosity is one of the answers to that question. Both the generosity that we practice, which is important, but also the generosity that we receive from others. Just the other day, I was driving home and I was frustrated. I don't even remember what I was frustrated about, honestly, but I was driving home and I was getting ready to complain. I was going to walk in the door and I was going to complain to my wife about a lot of stuff that actually had nothing to do with her, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember, again, exactly what it was. I just remember that I was getting frustrated and I was putting together what my complaints were going to be. And then I walked in the door. And without telling me, my wife Emily had fixed this type of soup that I love. And we had just talked a few days earlier about how great it is to come home to, to a, a meal that somebody has prepared for you about the love behind such a gesture and how those little gestures can mean so much. And I smelled the soup right away and my mood changed entirely. That moment of generosity that my wife showed me, it kept me from diving into selfishness in my complaints. It kept me from being defined by my frustration. So later on, I ended up baking her some cookies also. I also baked myself some cookies, but now that sounds maybe a little trite, maybe even a little corny, but it's a small scale example of what receiving generosity does to us. Receiving generosity, it gives us a glimpse of God's blessings. It pulls us out of our selfishness. It pulls us out of our frustration. And that's why I think as Christians, it's important for us to practice generosity even when we don't feel it. Practicing generosity, it's a discipline. It's part of discipleship. 
So I, I think it's very important that Christians give financially to the church. And at Stonebridge, we, we love when our members, our visitors, our tenders are, are giving regularly or, or giving anything, but giving regularly because of that pattern, it displays discipleship in Jesus. And it is great to do that. And like I've said in the past, if you're not comfortable giving to Stonebridge, find another church that you can give to because it's an important part of discipleship. But giving to the church, it's not the only way of practicing generosity. I think on top of giving to the church, we as Christians have to find organizations, individuals, people that we can be generous with as well, that we can practice generosity with. Because that's the life that God calls us to. And those moments are going to be what helps pull somebody else out of their frustration, out of their cynicism. Those moments of generosity from God's people, that's how people are going to realize all the ways in which God has already provided for them. That's how people are going to remember who they actually are as children of God. And that's what unlocks for them the experience of the love of God that we all know. Practicing that kind of generosity, I think that that is the main practice that pulls us out of our selfishness, that pulls us out of our frustrations and reminds us who we are. That's, I think, how we respond to people like Tignataro who very legitimately has some complaints and views God with his cynicism and views the words of scripture with skepticism. We don't respond by arguing them down, but we respond with our generosity. We respond by displaying to them that we know God will provide to us. So because of that, we can be generous with all that we have. That's one of the ways in which we witness to our world and our community. And that's one of the ways in which the world knows who the God we worship is. In that moment, Israel is grumbling. They're complaining. And they've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten who God has called them to be. And they have forgotten who God is. Moses reminds them. God reminds them. And Israel continues on their journey and continues to be the people of God. May we do likewise. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
for Israel in the desert so that they could be a blessing to the nations. The Lord will provide for you also so that you can be a disciple of Jesus who displays God's love to others so that they can know who the God we worship is. So may you go trusting in that provision. May you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.